there is nothing worth living for unless it is worth dying for. My grandmother lived a life devoted to Jesus, and today her talks have been made available in their original form. So you too can be built up through the insights and mysteries God revealed to her throughout her ministry. Now, without further ado, here is Elizabeth Elliot. Baron von Hegel wrote, The law of suffering and sacrifice is the one way to joy and possession. To forgive someone is an act of sacrifice. It is to give up your right to yourself. I had a phone call from a friend one morning, and she said, Elizabeth, I need your help. And she told me this long story about how she and her husband had very close friends, another couple, been good friends for years, but then they made the terrible mistake of going on a vacation together. And I've heard that there are some disasters that happen when they do that. And so she, I don't know what it was, can't remember what she told me, that everything fell apart on that vacation. And from that time on, this woman had not spoken to her until just yesterday. And she said, you know, she called me, Elizabeth, can you believe this? She called me to ask me if I would be godmother to her new baby. She said, do you think I have to say yes to that after what she did to me? Well, I said, I'm certainly not going to tell you that you have to be godmother to her baby. That's none of my business, but I do know what you have to do. And she said, well, what's that? Well, I said, you have to forgive her, don't you? Forgive her after what she did to me? Did you hear what I told you about her? I mean, it was awful. I mean, everything just fell apart. And then she has the guts or whatever to come and say... Would you be godmother to my baby? So I said, well, now, wait a minute. What does Jesus say about forgiveness? And it was just a dead silence. And I don't know. So I repeated the words that she knew perfectly well. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. She said, is that what it says? I said, yes, and furthermore, when Jesus finished that prayer, he turned to his disciples and he said, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. There was a thunderous silence. Is that what it says? Yes. Now, you know, that is simple, but it's not easy. Let's not ever confuse simple and easy. There are a whole lot of things that are very hard to do, but they are perfectly simple. Because God is telling you, this is what I want you to do. And that's a lesson that you mothers have to teach to your tiny little children. It's a very simple thing to tell the child to go to his room until he can come back with a happy face. And that's what my mother used to say. I don't like that face you're putting on, and we don't want to have to look at that. You go to your room until you find a happy face. Well, that child knew perfectly well that he had to go to his room, but it took a long time to find a happy face. <laughs> Why not let yourself be wronged? Amy Carmichael has a wonderful story, beautiful story, of a certain man who was a Hindu in a village which was thoroughly Hindu, and he became a Christian. And, of course, the word got around. He was hated by the people because of his testimony. 
And so one of the men just decided that he would test the reality of this Christianity thing. And so he demanded the use of this Christian man's bullock and cart. And the Christian said, take my bullock and my cart and take the fodder for the bullock as well. The Hindu was astounded, shocked, and ashamed. Too ashamed to go ahead and do what the Christian had told him he could do. But it didn't take very long before he became a Christian because of that outrageous response. And Jesus in Matthew 5 tells us to do some outrageous things, doesn't he? If somebody takes your coat, give him your cloak. Somebody wants you to go one mile, go two miles. So why not let yourself be wronged? Matthew 16 tells us that we are to leave self behind. Ephesians 4:32 is another passage that I want us to look at. I should start with 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice I like the bluntness of the New International Version here get rid of all bitterness and I can hear some of you saying well you know I've really been struggling with that for a long time (laughs) and you know what struggling means ladies in a case like that what does it mean Mm. Margaret Ashmore knows exactly what it means she's heard me say it more than once Struggling is simply delayed obedience. (laughs) Most of the time. Now, I know there are exceptions to that. There are other ways in which we struggle, and the Apostle Paul struggled with the churches that he was responsible for. But if we examine our consciences deliberately, clearly, and in the presence of God, I think we're going to find out that a whole lot of what we call struggling is delayed obedience. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, how was that? He had to die, didn't he? He had to go to the cross and die. And if it hadn't been for that, where would we be? On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best of a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross Exchange it someday for a crown. Be imitators of God. This is chapter 5, now verse 1 from Ephesians. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering sacrifice to God. I was watching TV one night as I was getting supper. We have a tiny little TV set that sits on the kitchen counter, and it's about the only time I have time to watch anything. And I was watching one of those talk shows that had a particularly uh, sardonic 
man who was in charge of that particular talk show. This was a number of years ago. And as I switched on the TV, I looked at the screen, which was filled with the very earnest face of a young man who happened at that very moment to be saying, I forgive them. Well, I looked again to see what channel I was on. I couldn't believe that I would hear anything like that on that kind of a program. Whereupon, someone in the audience leaped to her feet and she said, that's sick. She said, after what they did to you, she said, why would you forgive them? And she said, what you're doing is condoning their evil. I don't see why you want to condone their evil. And the young man said, I didn't say I condoned it. I said, I forgive them. And as the program went on, I realized that I was looking at the young man who was beaten almost to death in the LA riots a number of years ago. He was a truck driver and he was dragged out of his truck and beaten practically to death. And so here he is looking straight at the audience and saying, I forgive them. Well, this same woman jumped up again and she said, I don't care what you say. She said, that's just outrageous. She said, anybody that would forgive somebody for something like that, you, you gotta be, there's something wrong with your head. Whereupon, a very beautiful lady stood up, very poised, quiet voice, and she said, I just would like you to know that I am the mother of the man who beat this man here. And she said, I just want you to know that what my son did to him was a terrible thing. It was a wrong. But she said, you know, in the court case, as soon as the verdict was pronounced, she said, we were in each other's arms. This young man who is saying, I forgive him, and the mother of the man who had beaten him. She said, we understand this because we're Christians. That's forgiveness. Why not be wronged? Why not just go ahead and be wronged? Well, that's what the Bible says. Many of you have heard the story that Corrie Ten Boom told about how she was speaking one time in Germany long after the war. And in the back of the room, she saw the German guard who had been responsible for starving her sister to death. And she said, at the end of the meeting, to my dismay, I saw this man coming down the aisle with his hand outstretched. And she said, I just sent up an SOS to the Lord. I said, Lord, I cannot shake hands with that man. But she said, by the time he got to me, she said, my hand shot out. And in that split second, God gave me grace to say, I forgive you. And of course, she found out that he was a brother in Christ. He was coming to ask her forgiveness. How long does it take? You're going to say, well, I'm not going to say it until I can mean the words, which very often just means until I feel good about it. Now let's remember, ladies, and this is one of the things very important for women to remember, we are very much likely to major in the emotional side of things rather than the will. And God has given to all of us will and emotion. Which one rules your life? You know, I'm much too old to have ever heard of PMS back in the days when... <laughs> I was that age. Uh, there was no such thing as PMS, so we didn't have any excuses to be nasty. <laughs> uh, 
know, of course, I don't know what all is involved in that. I just hear it, you know, it goes around on my head all the time. People talk about, oh, you know, well, there's certain days of the, of the month when my family just can't, they just can't talk to me. I don't want to talk to them, etc. And then there are people who say, well, I, don't, I can't talk to anybody until I have my coffee. You know, what are you, some kind of a bear? I mean, do you have a right to be snotty and nasty just because it's six o'clock in the morning and you haven't had your coffee yet? I mean, all of this has something to do with what it means to have a gentle and quiet spirit, to be Christ-like, to exhibit the Christ life in our homes, not just in our church, not just in our neighborhood, but primarily in our homes. If the children don't see it there, if your husband doesn't see it there, we're in trouble. So in Colossians 3.13, we are told that we have to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Now that part is hard enough. How about the last half? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Which means lay down your desire for vindication. But she was wrong. You know, why do I have to forgive her? I've given you all the reasons from scripture. I am to lay down my desire for vindication. I would like to be vindicated. I would like it to be known that I was right. But God doesn't give me that privilege. I am to lay down my life, my desire for vindication. I am to lay down my right to an apology. Now that's a tough one. You may have a right to an apology because the person really did wrong you. But how about just getting rid of the burden? Getting rid of asking yourself, when is that woman ever going to realize what she did to me? And chances are she's not going to realize it and she's not interested in realizing it and she's forgotten all about it perhaps. So why lug through life all that terrible burden of vindictiveness and bitterness? And I'm sure that all of us know somebody who is just like a tiger in the corner. We had one in our church. She was a woman that lashed out like a tiger with everybody that came near. I mean, we were all scared to death of her. Nobody wanted to get near that poor woman. I mean, she was so angry and nobody seemed to be able to figure out what it was. I remember one time I was sitting right behind her in church and she had just taken off her coat and she flopped the coat over the pew in front of her and the coat fell off on the floor and she was so angry that she grabbed that coat and she just threw it against the pew in front of her as if it was the fault of that coat. I mean, that's how angry she was. But there was no question that she was filled with undealt with bitterness. Lay down your desire for vindication. Lay down your right to an apology. Lay down the pleasure that you might get from that person's humiliation. And let's be honest with ourselves. It would be very pleasant if the person who wronged us was humiliated by it. Lay down your will. In other words, bring every thought, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, under obedience to Christ. Every thought is to be brought under obedience. Romano Guardini said, forgiveness is renouncing the right to administer justice to oneself. 
Put that down in your book, will you? Renouncing the right to administer justice to oneself. Relinquishment of the wish to see punishment meted out to others. It is very soothing, isn't it, to see punishment meted out to somebody else who has done you in. Forgiveness is quitting the questionable territory of desires. Pain for pain leads to the open country of freedom. Forgiveness reestablishes order by acquitting the offender and thereby placing him in a new and higher order of justice. He who insists on rights, and this is the most important part, he who insists on rights places himself outside the community of men. He would like to be judge of men rather than one of them. Only forgiveness frees us from the injustice of others. Only forgiveness frees us from the injustice of others. And now let me give you just five, four points which will show you how to forgive and these very quickly. Number one, receive the grace. You won't be able to forgive unless you've received the grace. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. I love what Corey Ten Boom says, when God casts our sins into the depths of the sea, he puts up a sign and says, no fishing. <laughs> Number two, acknowledge the wrong. Be straightforward with God. Acknowledge the fact that this person has wronged you. That's an important step. If you don't acknowledge the wrong, you don't have anything to forgive. Number three, lay down all your rights. Lose your life for my sake, Jesus said. Forgiveness is the unconditional laying down of the self. That's all under number three. Now lay down all the rights. Number four, what to do to and for the one who has wronged you. What shall I do? Okay, I'll give you A, B, C, and D under this four. A, if he asks forgiveness, forgive him. You don't have to write that down. That's so simple. If he asks forgiveness, of course you say yes, as we forgive those who trespass against us. B, if he doesn't, you go ahead and forgive him in a private transaction before God. If he does not forgive you, forgive him in a private transaction before God. Number C, pray for him. Opposition will be melted as you pray for him. D, and this is probably the toughest thing of all, ask for grace to treat as if nothing had ever happened. Ask for grace to treat that person as if nothing had ever happened. And when I had a very, very painful situation with a family member, God reminded me that what I needed to do was to stand with Christ for her instead of with his adversary against her. Ask for grace to treat her or him as if nothing had ever happened. And forgive that person even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. What relief, what peace. Oh, what peace we often forfeit 
Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we, and we could put in here, have not forgiven somebody. It says in the hymn, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I trust that there will be some today who will be relieved of that crushing burden. Go to the foot of the cross. It's amazing how things look so much simpler and so much quieter when we go to the foot of the cross. I pray you've been encouraged and inspired by what you've heard today. And will keep joining us here and on social media for my granny's inspiration. Until then, remember, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms.